0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants.
1: Commander, tell me about your sexual organs.
2: Uh, Is that an uncomfortable subject for humans? No, but it doesn't tend to be a topic of casual conversation.
1: I'm interested in your mating practices. What is involved was two sexes.
2: pretty simple the men inseminate the women and the women carry the baby
1: our fetuses are incubated in fibrous husks which the parents inseminate i wonder what if a human and i would be sexually compatible i don't know of course it would never be permitted why not the idea of gender it is offensive to my people
3: Welcome everyone, it is Thursday, May 24, 2018. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's Just Right. Fade into colour, colour to black and white. Under the clothes, everything will be alright. It ain't so much what people don't know that gets them into trouble, but what they do know that just ain't so. Well, ain't that just so? (laughs) If ever that age-old saying has been more applicable, these are the days. It's not that the use of anti-concepts and the knowledge of things that ain't so aren't always at play somewhere, but it's more about the degree to which most Western nations have been heading towards what is not so ever leftward. The free speech issue is perhaps the underlying issue that envelops all of our specific subjects today, from the Ontario election to the disappearance of local talk show radio hosts with politically incorrect views, feminism, gender, and of course, free speech itself. Don't forget that you can write us at feedback at subscribe to Just Right on iTunes and on SoundCloud, Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, and of course, all of our archived broadcasts. Just two weeks ago, we featured four separate guests who have been in their own ways tackling this very issue of free speech. And, of course, that was Lindsay Shepard, Gad Sad, David Haskell, and Rick Meta. Whatever their views on left or right, they all recognize that it is views pointing in the right direction that are most under attack on university campuses and elsewhere, of course, as well. Got some feedback to that show and these comments on our Facebook page. This one from Taylor S., who writes... No one is denied free speech in universities. They won't tolerate hate speech. Child porn isn't legal for a reason. No one has to listen to your BS. Well, a comment like that, I can't just leave sit there without responding. And so I responded and said, To what child porn or hate speech are you referring? Your own? Cite an example. If no one is denied free speech in universities, then how do you explain the personal testimonies of each of our guests to say nothing of this show's own history of having been suspended from campus? You know, you can deny all the evidence you want, Taylor. It doesn't alter the reality of the situation. So Taylor writes back, quote, Let's see, Islamophobia, homophobia, the idea that women are less equal, and the only way to solve it is to get into a van and run them over. You know, that hate speech. Universities are there so that people who paid to go there get the education they need, not to listen to someone who is clear with paranoid, delusional views that spout and push violence up on a group of people. If you have the right of that level of free speech, then according to you, child porn is legal as both are mediums. Boy, talk about confused and associative thinking. He continues, The fact is, no one is stopping your freedom of speech, but as a post-secondary education that takes a tuition from their students and to which you accept the terms to go there, they do not need to give you a platform for hatred. Hate will not and never will be free speech, he writes. and To which I had to only respond, you know, we still haven't seen an example of anything that he's talking about to which he's objecting. And from there, that conversation pretty much disintegrated into a discussion about universities being private institutions or public institutions. And whether an institution is public, meaning government funded, or private, meaning privately funded, that's irrelevant. Free speech is integral to the learning process on each of those situations. Hate will not and never will be free speech, he writes. Well, that's true. Hate isn't speech. Hate is an emotion. And it exists whether it is expressed or not. And that's a very important thing to be aware of. The left is full of hate. It's the fuel that drives the left. It is the primary source of hate in the political arena. And above all, as Ayn Rand so consistently demonstrated, the left possesses a deep hatred of the good for being the good. Values which are found only on the right. That's what right means, in accordance with reality and reason, with what is, with what exists. Because when the left talks about hatred and doing something about it, what what it really means is they're not talking about hatred, but freedom of speech and expression, because there's nothing that the left fears more, and with good reason. Free speech is a mechanism by which reality and truth can be discovered. And those are two of the most hated things by the left. Reality is always telling them that you can't get something for nothing, while truth continually exposes the outright lies that they they keep promoting. You want to talk about hate? I hate everything the left represents. And I express that hatred each and every week on this show. I hate collectivism, which is a philosophy that annihilates the identity and rights of the individual. I hate racism, which is a natural consequence of all and only leftist ideologies, because the left is the sole source of group rights. That's what left is about. And group rights are a fiction in reality. I hate censorship, which denies each individual his or her right to freedom of expression, particularly when one's ideas are considered offensive. By now, I think you get my point. I could go on with nearly endless lists of the mindless rage that continually emanates from the left, the sinister left that holds something for nothing as its greatest ideal. So it shouldn't be too surprising that when people do fight back, they gain some level of notoriety. Like Jordan Peterson, whose battles with the social justice warriors, what a, what a great way to describe their own madness, if only, if only people understood what each of those words actually meant but it's earned him millions of followers around the world. We'll be hearing from him momentarily. And the same can be said to varying degrees about the four guests we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. But all the nonsense about racism and sexism is what is at the heart of a myriad of developments that otherwise really would have nothing to do with these collectivist notions. And locally here in London, Ontario, that poison has infected the body politic to a degree that would you know most would have thought unimaginable as our provincial election campaign has become all about racism and sexism and genderism and a whole host of inappropriate labels merely being used to silence the debate got this letter from one of our listeners on shortwave, and he writes, "I heard you yesterday, the seventeenth of May, from nineteen hundred to twenty hundred u t c on sixty seventy kilohertz. I heard you." on an Eaton Satellite 750 receiver with a telescopic rod antenna at my home in the small town of Paddingham, situated in the northwest of England. The program concerned the local elections and spoke about Andrew Lawton, together with many other subjects including education and the economy. You continued the discussion that included mentions of President Trump, people that do not vote, and freedom of speech. I enjoy hearing what you have to say each week via Channel 292 broadcasts. Although you were discussing the elections in Canada, it is surprising that a great deal of what you had to say could also be said about the UK. Annie writes, I look forward to continuing to hear you each week. Well, thanks for taking the time to write to Just Right Media, Alan, and for your reception report. You know, it's great to hear that you've become a regular listener to just right on shortwave. And your observation that much of what we had to say about the Ontario election, quote, could also be about the UK, end quote, is right on the mark. Philosophical and political principles are universal. And with that thought in mind, Alan, we're actually going to pay a visit to your side of the pond as Canada's own Jordan Peterson got himself into more controversy on the BBC's May 17 broadcast of Daily Politics with Joe Coburn.
4: One of our guests of the day, the other one today, is a man you may recognise, or maybe you don't. Jordan Peterson has achieved that rare feat, becoming a global superstar, academic. So how did he become so well known? He first came to national prominence in Canada in 2016 in a debate about new laws on gender identity. Bill C-16 made it an offence to refuse to call someone by their chosen gender pronoun. Jordan Peterson argued that this would infringe free speech, while some supporters of the bill said he was advocating prejudice. From there his YouTube star took off and he has now over one million subscribers. And his videos where he talks everything from identity politics, which we've touched on, to the Bible, to Disney movies have been viewed over 150 million times. Gosh, that's about the same number of views we have on this program. Huh. Last year he supported ex-Google employee James Daymore, who had been fired for suggesting men and women have different interests due to biological differences. And his latest book, 12 Rules for Life has taken him on a global tour, promoting his ideas, and just this week, he sold out the 1,000-seater Emmanuel Centre around the corner here in Westminster. Um, so, Jordan, you've done endless interviews, you've been publicising yep. your book, and they've generated plenty of heated debate. No, and I actually po- sold out the Apollo, it had 5,000 seats. All right, stop boasting. <laughs> um, do you think, though, because of the heat that has been generated, that your views have been misrepresented at times?
5: Oh, definitely, but that's you know that's part and parcel of the process. I did take a very um, uh, forceful stance, let's say, against some of the excesses of the radical left-wingers, and it's in their best interest to paint me as uh, somehow a figure of the extreme right, because then I don't have to be contended with. But, I mean, it's easy for people's views to be oversimplified in a very large public debate. I mean, in terms of some of the issues, I mean, you
4: say you've been uh, painted as a, as a, an extreme right winger. or no, some or, people have tried yeah. that, not very successfully, but they've tried it. And you came to prominence um, in part over your opposition to this law that we just talked about yeah. in Canada, proposing the use of preferred pronouns for transgender people, mm. just for. Clarity, Mandating them. Yeah. Right. Saying that, that you should issue. do it. No, but, that you had to do it. Uh, right, you had to do it by law. Right. But just for clarity, do you think a trans woman is a real woman? <laughs>
5: I don't really like the way those questions are formulated. You know, I don't know what that means. What do you mean a real woman? Well, she I'm asking
4: you, in your mind, you know, it depends what you think a real woman is, but do you think a trans woman is a woman?
5: No. Why not? Because I think that women are capable, generally speaking, of having babies and they have female genitalia and they have an XX chromosome and, and I think the biological markers are relevant doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think that people should be treated with respect and dignity if they happen not to fit easily into a gender category. That's a different issue. Right. But, but it's a matter of definition. And, and I actually think it's a foolish argument in some sense, because what do you mean by real? Well, I mean, you've just clarified that, though. You you, you don't
4: think um, that a trans woman is a woman. And do you, do you think that that is what is behind or explains your opposition to this idea of a law mandating you to use a preferred no. pronoun? Is because you don't actually believe that that's the truth, that a trans woman is a woman, and therefore you can't use that pronoun? No,
5: that's not my argument at really? all. Yeah, really. My yeah, argument is that the no, government I know what your shouldn't
4: compel is. voluntary speech. No, but I know what your argument is. And no, you but you made that's it very really clearly. It. But, no, but behind but the that's exactly, it. There's, the no motivation behind. there's no motivation
5: behind it. behind it. But you don't believe I wouldn't the I trans- would put everything on my lo- on in my life to take the stance I did unless I had thought that through very deeply. And I've thought it through very deeply. There aren't hidden motivations that have to do with some arbitrary prejudice against trans people. Okay. It's purely pure and simply this. There's never been a time in English common law history where the government compelled speech, and the Canadian government dared to do that, and that was unacceptable. And they masked it with this show of of compassion for the oppressed, and I don't buy it. Right, but you
4: would, as I think you said, at an individual level, mm.
5: if somebody Wouldn't asked have. you, if you
4: know, somebody asked you to use a particular pronoun, you would do mm-hmm. so. Well, I have. You have. Yes. Right, fine.
2: You had all these controls like you grew up in a shuttle.
1: I did. My parents were pilots. I was flying with them before I could walk. As soon as I was old enough, I entered flight school. Crite was my instructor.
2: He had a good student.
1: He. Commander, there are no he's or she's in a species without gender.
2: Okay. For two days, I've been trying to construct sentences without personal pronouns. Now I give up. What should I use? It? To us, that's rude.
1: We use a pronoun that is neutral. I do not think there is really a translation.
2: Well, then I'll just have to muddle through. So forgive me if the stray he or she slips by, okay? It's hard to grasp the idea of no gender.
1: It is just as hard for us to understand the... strange division in your species. Males and females. You are male. Mm-hmm. Tell me about males. What is it makes you different from females?
2: snips and snails, and puppy dog tails.
1: You have a dog's tail?
2: It's an old nursery rhyme. Girls are made from sugar and spice, and boys are made from snips and snails.
1: That makes it sound better to be female.
2: It's an old-fashioned way of looking at the sexes. Not to say that there's no real difference between them. Physically, men are bigger, stronger in the upper body. We have different sexual organs. Men can't bear young.
1: what about feelings or um, emotional attitudes? Are they different?
2: Most people think so. But that's the kind of question that would take a lifetime to answer. Let me ask you, what's it like on a planet where the people have no gender?
1: I'm afraid I don't understand.
2: Well, who leads when you dance, if you dance?
1: We do. And who's ever taller leads?
2: Without the battle of the sexes, you probably don't have as many arguments.
1: Just because we don't have gender doesn't mean we don't have conflicts.
3: No, of course not. You can't fight over what doesn't exist. Under identity politics, you know, this imaginary genderless species would have conflicts between those who were taller and those who were shorter, given what we just heard. After all, why should the taller person always get the lead? Don't short people have rights too? And what happens when two people are the same height? I, wanna, I, want, I want the answers to these. <laughs> Think about it. In this scenario, every person's identity would be relative to the person around him or her or it or whatever you want to call them. Ridiculous. People argue about their differences, not their similarities on the, quote, lowest, most crudely primitive form of collectivism, end quote, to use the words of Ayn Rand, sex and gender identities, like racism, quote, ascribe moral, social, or political significance to a person's genetic lineage. The notion that a man's intellectual and characterological traits are produced and transmitted by his internal body chemistry, end quote. Now, identity politics is simply a leftist term for racism and sexism which are explicitly supported by the left. Our governments pass specific legislation ameliorating, quote unquote, one racially or sexually defined group against another, one economic group against another. When governments pass laws, specifically for or against one group of people as opposed to other groups, that is racism if done along racial grounds. It's sexism if done along sexual or gender grounds. That's pure and simple. That's what racism means legislating on behalf of race over the rights of others, creating statuses. You know, that in this day and age, it would still be necessary to define the differences between male and female is a sign of just how far we've descended into the subjective pit of unreality. It's, it's just unbelievable. It's remarkable to what degree the left goes in order to deny physical reality. Do you think a trans woman is a real woman? Well, if a trans woman has male genitalia and does not have a vagina, that person is not a woman. Not female. Yes, it's a matter of definition, and definition is a matter of accurately and truly describing reality. I mean, the wacko who's asking Jordan Peterson about his motivations in believing that a trans woman isn't a woman is so bizarrely and so utterly detached from reality. It's no wonder that Peterson's constantly having problems communicating with the left about what the left is. What those on the left are incapable of comprehending is that the motivation of the true right is to discover the truth and reality, and what actually is. And ask yourself this, if that's so, then what is the motivation of those who fear truth, reality, and what is? And that brings us to one of the real key issues that is on the mind of the left, and it's always about money. Someone else's money. That's the real issue. Remember Peterson asked, what do you mean by real? Well, that's it. The so-called gender gap is one of those anti-concepts you see based on sexual politics. I have an article here from the May 14th Financial Post, written by Howard Levitt, under the heading, Is the Gender Gap Actually Based on Gender? And he writes, The hashtag MeToo movement and the virtue signaling of our Trudeau and Wynne governments have coalesced on one goal, the elimination of Canada's gender pay gap, quote-unquote. Wynne in particular has passed various pieces of legislation purportedly designed to eliminate it. Is Canada's gender pay gap in 2018 still a product of discrimination? And if not, should it be redressed or even eliminated? A January 2018 Stanford University study analyzing close to 2 million Uber drivers who were selected for rides based on algorithms unrelated to gender still found a 7% gender wage gap. Half of that related to male drivers working longer hours. The other half, and who will be surprised by this, related to males, on average, driving faster, thereby getting into their destinations quicker and being available to pick up the next customer. The National Bureau of Economic Research, based on Danish data, found that almost all of the difference in wages between Danish men and women were the result of women's decision to have children. And finally, as American Enterprise Institute's K. Himowitz poignantly noted after reviewing the Uber and Danish studies, quote, Feminists have long promised that stronger social policies would bring about gender equality. On the evidence of this Danish study and similar ones, they do not. The average woman cuts back when her kids are born regardless of whether the government offers long-term paid leave or heavily subsidized childcare. Taken together, the Uber and Danish studies provide more insight into the reality of male and female wage differences that the practitioners of outrage theater, from the UK's gender gap reporting legislation to American America's Equal Pay Day, do their best to evade. End quote. Well, that was a mouthful. Yeah, they do their best to evade it, but you know what's really being evaded? is the whole premise of the question, the very notion of a gap. What does that mean? Again, it's a philosophical question. It's not an economic one. It's one related directly to epistemology. Not to anybody's skin color, height, or any other group you can possibly make up or define, because you can always find a gap where you want to. The real gender gap is a gap in logic and reason. All gaps presume egalitarianism, which does not exist in any metaphysical or real way. There is no equality in the world. And that's the the starting point on which people start thinking about this idea of a gap. You start off equal. Nobody starts off equal. That's not reality. Pick any two people who are getting paid something different from each other, and you've already got a gap, if that's what you want to call it. But it isn't a gap at all, it's merely a difference. As soon as you use the word gap, you've got an agenda. You're out after somebody else's money, aren't you? That agenda assumes that all differences are a matter of purposeful injustice. That's the way you justify your injustice. And then you call it social justice. The reasons for the differences are irrelevant to people with a gap in their thinking. All they want is egalitarianism, equality of outcome, not of rights before and under the law. You know, the buzz column in May 15th's London Free Press features a short story with the headline, Hayek asks male actors to demand less money. And the article reads, quote, Salma Hayek has called for actors to take a pay cut to help address the wage disparity issue in Hollywood. She said it will be hard for there to be pay equality unless male stars make sacrifices. Time's up. You had a good run, but it's time now to be generous with the actresses, she said. If actors ask such inflated fees, it will leave nothing for actresses, she said at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, I didn't know they were allowed to still use those kind of words. Actress? Isn't that sexist? But could you get any more leftist than that? Every false notion from the fixed pie theory to the calling for sacrifice and generosity of males. In other words, women don't earn their money. They have to be given it out of generosity. And what does that say about Women. Envious, maybe? Jealous, maybe? Then you had, also at the Cannes Film Festival, Kristen Stewart's protest, quote, against the dre- sexist dress code at, at the Cannes Film Festival by ditching her high heels on the red carpet, end quote. Is this another denial of reality? You know, She's purposely confusing sexism with sexuality. Wearing high heels on the red carpet is part of the deal. I mean, claim discomfort all you want, but I don't for a minute believe that that's the issue. It's no different than when I had to wear a suit and tie each and every day that I worked for a bank and trust company. I was always uncomfortable dressed like that, but fully understood why I was expected to dress like that and why it was proper to do so. I wouldn't think of doing otherwise under the same circumstances.
5: And then, of course, there's feminism. Are you a feminist? Uh... No, not as it's currently defined, certainly not.
4: No, uh, well, in any other
5: definition? Well, I think that anybody who doesn't think that the, the competitive landscape should be opened up for equality of opportunity is not thinking. And so everyone's interests are better served if people have as equal access to opportunity to display their talents and to manifest their talents in the world as possible. So in that sense, certainly. But feminism now, it's, as far and this is why it's so deeply unpopular, a very small minority of women in the UK identify as feminists. And the reason for that is it's primarily become an ideological weapon. And it's an ideology that I don't, I, I detest actually, the ideology that it's associated with, collectivist ideology.
4: Right, I mean,
0: okay, and that's your view about feminism. Ayesha, are you a feminist? Oh, absolutely, I'm a very proud uh, feminist. And when I was um, a special advisor in government, I worked on women and equality issues and i was very proud actually of a piece of legislation I got on the statute book with my former boss Harriet Harman the Equality Act uh, in 2010, which strengthened our anti-discrimination um, laws, and I fought very hard to get more women into public life, into the Labour Party, and yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm very, very proud of being a feminist. Hence my pink dress. Oh well, <laughs> all right. Um, obviously, reverting to type then. In Absolutely. The pink dress. Well, um, hmm. you would like men to
4: regain or reclaim their strength physically, mentally, and morally. Is
5: that broadly correct? I would say morally, fundamentally, but I think the other things go along with that. Right. Um, and if that but it is... isn't men precisely who I'm who I'm speaking to. It's it's people. I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm actually interested in individuals and I'm interested in their fortification against tragedy. You know, every time I do an interview, the interview is always political. It's always mm. political. Well, the, and cl- the clue is in the title of this programme. <laughs> we are the Daily Oh, Politics no, no, fair here. enough. No, no, no <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And I'm, I'm not casting aspersions <laughs> at, at this programme. But the fundamental news... That's important about what I'm doing isn't the political element, and the people who but talk what? to me don't talk politically. They well, say they've watched but, but my part, lectures, but part and of that there is
0: sorry, is mm. that I think for a lot of people the. Kind of personal does become the the, the 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 political, or the political becomes the person. Yeah, and I think in terms of the yeah. The, but the, in the this I, situation,
5: a lot of people are wrong because primarily what's happening is people are watching my lectures, and as a consequence, their lives are improving dramatically. Oh, I'm
0: sure. I'm sure they are. I'm sure people are like i have had a huge conversion after, it's and not they're much conversion. happier once they've been. It's not a been. conversion.
5: But it's, w- it's what what I would
0: like to do is is kind of almost. I think at the moment the discussion about feminism is very di- d- divisive and it sometimes it can sort of be like okay men have to lose and women have to gain actually mm-hmm. everybody has a lot to gain mm. by greater equality. Now, whether you get the equality of outcome that you want, I think only time will tend, but certainly equality of opportunity is, is very important. And actually, well, we a lot that. and a lot of men would, would benefit from that. So I think a lot of men, men are having a lot of crises at the moment in terms of mental, mental health, suicide mm. issues, um, their own sense of identity, because I think some of the stereotypes put on men are quite limiting for them as well. I think they make men quite unhappy as well.
5: The so devil's in the details with regards to equality, because I'm, I'm an advocate of equality of opportunity but I think outcomes. The idea, outcomes that's an appalling doctrine why, why? <laughs> <laughs> all right well, because well, you have to produce an unbelievably potent bureauc- bureaucracy to make the ever greater and ever finer distinctions that are necessary to enforce equality of outcome how many group differences are you going to equalize across is it just gender and sex? How many genders? No, so gender and ethnicity? How
0: many genders? I think How many what, ethnicities? What are... How many races? We'll let answer. I think what, what people are trying to do with this, and certainly as somebody who you know has looked to sort to sort of do this myself. I think you set yourself ambitions for, for what you would like to see and then you try and remove as many of the, the structural barriers and mm. obstacles. So you try and create that, you know, fair crack of the whip yeah. and that equality of opportunity to see where you get to with the outcomes. Th- that's now fine. we are in very early stages, it's only a hundred years since you know women got the vote mm. in this country. You know, we have had a long established patriarchal society and set up for, for a long time in the world in this country. So I think we have a long way to go to see where it plays out. There is no country in the world where you know we really do have gender equality um, properly yet in terms of dis- real decision making and, and real some of the power. Scandinavian countries maybe but I, they're still not quite there and I think all you've right. spoken a lot about this Scandinavi- there's still a way to go in Scandinavia things are not perfect well, in I Scandinavia at all. I haven't talking
5: about that specifically. I've spoken about I think you spoke the, about the
0: right stuff yesterday. I, you talked about the Scandinavian. well I've spoken
5: about the fact that you see one of the things that's happened. In the analysis of the differences between men and women is that the social constructionist claim is that Mm. the differences are socially constructed Mm. right is that it's a consequence of environment that men and women differ but what the scientific literature indicates is that as cultures become more egalitarian like they have in Scandinavia the differences between men and women actually increase rather than decreasing which is a direct repost to the social constructionist view. So they just deny all that. The biggest differences in the world in interest and temperament are between Scandinavian men and women. It's exactly the opposite of what everyone predicted. Can I just pick up on one thing you said a
4: little earlier in the interview, yeah. which you said it's the moral guidance that you are are, are focused on. You think that yeah. is particularly important. How do you square that with the behaviour of perhaps arguably, you know, a prominent alpha male president of the United States, Donald Trump? When his behaviour—I mean, he is accused of having an affair with a porn star when his wife was pregnant—how does that fit with morally reclaiming? um, Well, I would say that was rather clearly immoral.
5: Right. Yeah, but you would still not to be a target for emulation. But you still would have voted for
4: him. Over
5: well, Hillary Clinton fair, as as
4: fair, an no, identity
0: politics. I mean, it's just how how None do you of use was on the logic?
5: table? And I said I might have voted for him on a whim. That's all. But you all. also said you started so. out
0: feeling quite close to Hillary Clinton. Can I just come up no. on, on, on the very quickly because we've got quickly. to move on? In a way, I don't, well, I, I don't care what Trump does in terms of his private life. But sure. what I don't have is him stopping or potentially stopping other women having agency over their reproductive rights and lots of men taking those decisions. It's for example. all about
4: where the moral outrage lies and what's. Yeah more morally outrageous um, in, in people's eyes. Is it his behaviour or the identity politics for you on the... Anyway, we'll have to discuss this another time.
0: All right. This hand, the game is Federation Day. What is that? Well, the Federation was founded in 2161, so, twos, sixes, and aces are wild.
1: That is a woman's game.
0: Oh, why is that?
1: All those wild cards, they support a weak hand. A man's game has no wild cards.
6: Let me get this straight, you're saying it's a woman's game because women are weak and need more help.
1: Yes. these wild cards. It is difficult to know what is exactly in my hand. However, I will open with 50.
3: Ironic, isn't it? In this so-called patriarchal society, women hold all the cards, really, don't they? Hey, you're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. There are fewer and fewer voices on the right in mainstream media, so if what's right is also right for you... Be sure to check out patreon.com slash justrightmedia or visit www.justrightmedia.org to offer your financial support. And while you're there, be sure to sample our archive broadcasts featuring an array of timeless discussions of all things just right about freedom and capitalism. One of the interesting comments made in that whole discussion between the two feminists and Jordan Peterson was raising the issue that, quote, discussion about feminism can be divisive. Men have to lose and women have to gain, said one of them. And what do we just hear exactly from the example at the Cannes Film Festival? Isn't that exactly and explicitly how the issue was framed? Men should take a cut and pay so that the women will get more, the women actresses. That's exactly what it is. You know, you can't argue that everyone gains by greater equality of this sort. That's just... Insane. Equality of opportunity and outcome you know are both false issues. Neither are equal. What you want is equality of rights before and under the law. No two people are equal in any other respect. And as a consequence, they will not have equal opportunities. They will have differing opportunities. But they should be free opportunities. Equality is not the point. Freedom is. We don't want a society of status. You know, that's... What Isabel Patterson so warned against. Amazing to hear both of the women shout, Why? In response to the self-evident argument that equality of outcome is appalling and immoral. I just sit in there going, they don't know that? They're both shocked. Because you're calling for the use of force in human relationships. It doesn't happen by itself. Because people are not equal in terms of outcome. Because the only way to equalize the greater with the lesser, by however you measure that outcome, quote-unquote, is by reducing the greater, and doing so by force, by limitation, by prohibition. And that's what weakens everyone. Everything the feminists projected onto Peterson was their own ideology of division. Their point of view must be openly hostile to reality and truth, because those are two things that begin with the correct identity of people and things and ideas. Robbing Peter to pay Pauline will definitely cause division between the two, and robbery is immoral and harmful to society, no matter who does it to who. The role of government, the proper role of government, is to protect, not to violate life, liberty, and property, and when a person earns more than somebody else, Meaning that no one's life, liberty, or property has been threatened or taken in that process of doing that, then no one has a quote unquote right to the earnings of others. But that's feminism today, which, like unions, is one of the chief sources of communistic, socialistic, and fascistic thinking. That's where it all comes from. That's what you're hearing socialism, communism, and fascism. It's always popular this idea that the horrors of the past you know just descended upon humanity from out of the blue and the devil came to visit the visit us no everybody welcomed it all openly with open arms feminism has already done much to destroy individual justice by replacing it with social justice and as exhibit a i present the recent conviction of bill cosby Now everything in Cosby's trial transpired exactly as I discussed in our last broadcast about this before his trial. And I pointed out that no new facts would be presented, that were not already known, and that if found guilty, it would be a political action. Now, I've heard some say that Cosby was found guilty not because of any particular physical act he performed, but because of the social power imbalance that existed between him and his quote-unquote consenting victims, who apparently have now been absolved of any personal responsibility with regard to their own choices and actions. And then there was the very disturbing admission of one of the jurors in the paper who said it was Cosby's admitting that he gave the women Quaaludes without ever having denied it that caused her to vote on the guilty side. That, that's amazing because the juror clearly did not understand or chose to ignore the context of Cosby's consistent honesty on this point. Do you think if he thought he was doing something wrong he'd be professing it in the courtroom over and over again in every testimony? I said a long time ago that Cosby didn't need a lawyer, he needed a philosopher. Cosby's past was permitted as evidence in the court of law. His accuser's past was not permitted. Is that justice? Particularly in light of what we already reviewed regarding some 30-plus of Cosby's accusers on this show over the years. You know, it's a sign of the times that so many people can't decipher fact from fiction, truth from lies. When it comes to statements of facts, general events, and discussions about drugs, alcohol, and their usage by Cosby's complainants, Cosby always told the truth. In contrast, his accusers were consistently found to have done everything from utterly misrepresenting or lying about the facts to merely having adopted that postmodernist concept of affirmative consent, then applied it retroactively to events that happened decades ago. And consent has been and always is the central principle and condition that must be determined in order to declare someone guilty of this kind of crime. And that's why they're saying that there was a power imbalance, and that proves that no consent existed. On this point, every argument came down to a he-said-and-she-said argument. And unfortunately, the collectivist feminists of the left have now succeeded in doing exactly what I've been warning against, moving the determination of guilt or innocence from the court of justice to the court of public opinion. And in so doing, Cosby's prosecutors brought in more women who made claims against Cosby, none of whom Cosby could address, and none of whom ever were themselves ever vetted in a court of law to offer some objective validity to their, to their claims. Now, Cosby has a sentencing hearing scheduled for late this year, and there's also been an announcement that Cosby's lawyers intend to appeal the verdict for yet another round in the court. We'll have to tune in later for a resolution on that one. But meanwhile, back in our own local court of public opinion, Liberal Party campaign chair Deb Matthews, as usual, busy attacking candidates rather than policies, has done so with local candidate Andrew Lawton. So on this side of the bumper, here is, yes, racist and liberal chair Deb Matthews from the May 16 broadcast of the Live Drive, without Andy Utman, hosted by Lorena Dixon, And on the other side of our bumper, CJBK's Wednesday announcement regarding longtime broadcaster Andy Utman's sudden and unexpected, quote-unquote, retirement from the station, followed by a brief excerpt from the Tom McConnell Show Friday.
7: Uh, We're first going to hear um, from Deb Matthews and uh, basically a big development today. When we saw the Liberal Party announcing that uh, they are asking Doug Ford not to allow London West PC candidate Andrew Lawton to be a candidate in that riding because of uh, sexist and racist comments that he has made. So I got Andrew, I got Deb uh, Matthews on the line right away to talk about this today. My pleasure. We were actually talking about this very thing uh, last week on the Live Drive, and that's more recent racist and sexist comments that Andrew Lawton made. And this is well after the date he suggested his ill health played a part in such comments. So if you could explain for us why this late these latest comments are so troubling. Well, I mean, he's he's clearly made
6: um, racist, Islamophobic, anti-woman um Comments. He's he's earned his living doing that, and as you said, the comments that we've um, we've found and shared today date from after the time he said he should be excused from all responsibility. So this is not something that occurred just in in one period of his life. This is ongoing, and today we're calling on Doug Ford to um, to actually dump Andrew Lawton as a candidate and replace him with somebody who, uh, who holds the values of inclusivity and diversity that are so important to, uh, to our country
7: and to our province. Um, is this sort of over the top from what we would expect and therefore more troubling to you?
6: Oh, it's way over. It's way, way over the top. You know, there are lots of conservatives who are quite lovely people who espouse the v- values of inclusivity and diversity. And, and he, is, he is sowing division and hatred. And so this is way beyond what, uh, uh, what is acceptable in, uh, in my Ontario, in my London.
7: How likely do you really think it is, Deb, that, that Doug Ford will do this?
6: I really can't comment on that, but I can say that if he did choose to do what he did with Tanya granite Allen, so he's done it once. Will um, if he does it again, I would be the first to say, congratulations, good on you. I might ask him what took so long, but I would say good on you.
7: It is not actually just the liberals who are saying that these comments are, um, you know, something that were out of line. Andrew Lawton himself said that and apologized for some of these comments. So if you remember back to when the story first surfaced, uh, Andrew Lawton himself said he was embarrassed about some of the comments that were made. So let's remember to keep that in mind. And I did promise uh, an earlier texter that I would read over the, um, the statements that Deb Matthews has been highlighting as being ones that came From Andrew Lawton after he suggested uh, he need not accept responsibility for what he said due to his ill health. So these came after um, that time frame. Remember, he mentioned the time frame. Um, They were in the rebel media in 2015 and 16. And uh, read these again. On things that we should ban before assault weapons, he said, How many lives are lost because people cling to a radical Muslim ideology? Well, we can ban Islam. That's going to save a couple lives. Uh, Another one, on tolerance of other religious views, he stated, I'm a Christian. I believe in Christian exceptionalism. I believe that Christianity is the only correct faith. Also, on arrest rates in the U.S., I know typically most minorities in the United States, black and Hispanic minorities, have a higher arrest rate, simply because the crime rate in those groups is higher. That was his statement. And on a woman's ability to smile and be nice... He said, as far as receptionists go, I can't think of a single receptionist that I have encountered, certainly not in recent years, who is male. You know, I bet there are some friendly, welcoming, warm men, but I don't think it's sexist to suggest that there are certain areas where women are proficient at being friendly and welcoming, and that's one of them. Being friendly and welcoming is one of those situations where women are better than men. You know what? Among all these statements, I don't really think that one's that bad at all. The man of the hour, Steve Young joining us now to ta- to let us know what's going on with Andy.
8: Hi Lorena, good afternoon, good afternoon to you and to our entire listening audience. A big announcement to start today's show and it is about the gentleman who usually sits at this microphone at this time of day, Andy Udman. He is one of London's most familiar voices and has been for decades. Today he is retiring. Like Frank Sinatra, Andy is choosing to do it his way with little fanfare. Andy first joined CJBK in the fall of 1973, moving across the dial in 1986 to spend over 20 years on the popular Q97.5 Easy Rock Morning Show with very popular hosts Rich Andy Lane. More recently, Andy rejoined CJBK to host his own talk show, The Live Drive, where he interviewed prime ministers, premiers, and many other high-profile newsmakers, always, and I say always, holding them to account. Andy says he will very much miss engaging with his many listeners on a daily basis, but looks forward to the new adventures he now intends to pursue and his colleagues here, of course, at CJBK, will miss him on our team. On behalf of all of us here at CJBK and your listeners, Andy, thank you and all the best for a well-deserved retirement.
7: Very well-deserved. Andy, we're going to miss you.
8: Absolutely. And uh, we, of course... I uh, are anticipating a lot of our listeners will want to share their their farewell messages with us and and uh, hopes for the best uh, in the future for andy and by all means please do so you can text us at ten twelve ninety or you can go on to our facebook page and uh, send along your well wishes and we will ensure that all of them get passed on to andy
6: dave
9: how are you Good, Tom. How are you today?
8: Fantastic. You
9: ready for the okay. long weekend? Uh, I am. All right, Dave, All right. start talking. All right. So I, I really want to ask a question. I'm just wondering if uh, 1290 CJPK here in London is really thinks their their listeners are that stupid, that uh, they, we really buy that Andy movement retired on his own, and that was he wasn't forced it by uh, the Megan Walker, Tonya Park, and her left-wing is feminist extremists. Um, you must really think we're we're dumb, quite honestly. Um, you know, and you know, shame on Steve Young and the radio station for not sticking up for this man. For to me, you know, ruining his reputation and his career. Uh, now, this is all speculation on my part, but you know, certainly I think this is what really happened. And uh, you know, as far as Irene Matheson, you know, saying he was bullying her. You know, Irene, you're in the public sector. If people ask you hard questions, and they'll accept your your wishy-washy uh, political dancing—if uh, that's bullying—well, then you need to get out of the arena. Um, and then uh, my comment for Johnny and a little earlier about his one-armed guy—is that is, was that a, an insensitive comment about disabled? I mean, come on, Johnny, uh, you should know better than that. Anyways, Tom, that's about all I had to say for today. So uh, you have a good weekend.
8: You too, as well. Thanks, Dave. Uh, 46 minutes after 11 o'clock. Most of that I cannot comment on. However, uh, the one thing Dave said. Oh, wait till after the break. I'll wait till after the break.
3: Tom never did get around to addressing whatever point he wanted to clarify. But if anyone thinks that Andy Utman simply retired, well, then I've got one of those public bridges to sell you. But before I continue with the Andy Utman retirement story, some final comments on Andrew Lawton's situation. I mean, here we see Deb Matthews calling for Doug Ford to not allow Andrew to be a candidate over so-called racist and sexist remarks. And, and here she's, she listens to the words she's using. Quote, he's clearly made racist, Islamophobic, anti-women comments. He's earned his living doing that. I mean, that is just plain BS. Yeah, he earned his living doing that. That's what we all us Londoners and everybody in the province has been listening to for months and years. Is that what we've been listening to? Who knew? She's calling on Doug Ford to get this. Replace Andrew, quote, with someone who holds the values of inclusivity and diversity that are so important to our country and province, end quote. Well, Matthews is talking about race, sex, and skin color when she uses the word inclusivity and diversity, and that's racist and sexist. To the core, rational people... When they use the words inclusivity and diversity, people are talking about ideas. This is just despicable. It just shows how low politics has sunk in this province. And everything she said was morally reprehensible. You just don't go there. Andrew Lawton himself said these comments were out of line, notes Lorena, the hostess. But Andrew Lawton did not say anything about the comments he made at the rebel media. Those were previous comments, not the ones they're citing. I mean, on things we should ban before the assault weapons. How many lives are lost due to radical Muslim di- ideology? Well, we could ban Islam. That would at least save a couple of lives, end quote. Well, that was obviously a statement about gun control. Yeah, we could save a lot, lot of lives if we banned cars is exactly the same argument being made. But obviously, the gun issue came up in the context of Islam, right? on tolerance and other religious views. Quote, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in the Christian exceptionalism. I believe that Christianity is the only correct faith. End quote. Well, what the hell has that got to do with intolerance? I myself don't believe in deities. But when Andrew appeared on this very show, discussing how his belief in God and his faith helps give him direction and guidance in his own life, I didn't for a moment feel that he was intolerant to me. In fact, I thought he had a pretty good grasp of my own point of view on God as the supreme being. I can always take issue with someone arguing that a particular brand of faith is the correct faith. Because that's another argument. Since correctness depends upon reality and reason to arrive at. Just because you believe something doesn't make it so. But if you happen to believe in something that already is so, faith or not, you'll be pointed in the right direction. On arrest rates in the U.S., quote, I know that typically most black and Hispanic minorities in the U.S. have a higher arrest rate simply because the crime rate in those groups is higher. End quote. Well, duh. I mean, is this statement of fact to be considered racist? Give me a break. In fact, it's understood in the context of that discussion that those groups suffer the most from that condition one that only Donald Trump had the courage to address in the U.S. On a woman's ability to smile and be nice, as far as receptionists go, I can't think of a single receptionist I've ever encountered who's male. I'll bet there are some friendly, welcoming, warm men, but I don't think it's sexist to say there are certain areas where women are proficient, end quote. Maybe not. But I'll tell you what is sexist. It's sexist to say that men are more proficient. And that's the whole point, isn't it? Look, I'm the guy who's supporting the Freedom Party candidate, Tracy Pringle, in this election in London West. I couldn't possibly bring myself, though, to vote PC, given what I know and understand about that party. That party isn't, and won't, defend its own candidate against outrageous accusations. And yet Freedom Party folks don't think that way. In fact, on last week's show, we heard someone call to Tom McConnell saying, I'm voting for Freedom Party anyway, but that Andrew Lawton did not deserve the unfair criticism he was getting. I mean, Andrew's being roasted alive in our local court of public opinion, and what is ironic beyond, beyond understanding is that no one has come to publicly defend him against all this from his own party and group of associates. I haven't seen it. Except those of us here on Just Right. I mean, we have our disagreements with Andrew, but not about these distractions. You know, we're the ones who defended Patrick Brown while the PCs were throwing him under the bus and didn't even give any consideration to due process. What does that tell you? Nor, based on what little I now, I now know, does CJBK host Andy Udman deserve the treatment he's gotten from CJBK Radio. I mean, how many quote-unquote retirements do you know about that, you know, nobody's allowed to talk about. (laughs) I happen to know a number of industry insiders in radio, quote, who aren't supposed to talk about Andy Uten's departure. And I can assure you they didn't. And what they didn't tell me (laughs) was very interesting. Though I don't know any of the critical specifics. Anyway. I find the trend Disturbing. Here we have two top on the quote right long time broadcasters taken off the air in the London area Andrew Lawton and Andy Udman and I suppose if you go back a bit even further you can include Jim Chapman in the overall trend of losing objective voices in the talk radio genre. And hey what about myself and Robert Vaughan as two victims of the trend when we were unceremoniously dismissed from broadcasting our just right presentations on CHRW radio. You know The two Andes, who were the city's really only voices that were not entirely on the left, are no longer with us in radio, and don't think for a minute that that has nothing to do with political correctness and the censorship of ideas with which the left cannot deal. Can't draw a straight line, but you can draw a pretty crooked one and follow it around. But I do have to comment that for some reason, those who call themselves conservative or right-wingers which is not me, they never fight back on principle, which is their only hope that they have for winning the war. They look no further than the current battle, so often lost, but even when won, the war is forgotten. I've seen it. Apparently power does corrupt. And for some people, even the struggle for power corrupts. After all, even if the PCs were to win this election, Ontario would still not have any voice in the legislature that would be on the right. Perhaps the steady disappearance of voices on the right are what account for what we're seeing in the growth of just rights, online statistics, and increase in listenership. Now here's something you might find interesting. A quick overview of our visitor and listener online stat trends over the past three years, meaning 2015, 16, and 17. In 2015, 46,695 unique visitors made 190,198 visits to our site to download 1.117 terabytes of content. In 2016, 93,004 unique visitors made 403,162 visits to our site to download 4.710 terabytes of content. Now get this, 2017... 255,505 unique visitors, definitely a good quarter million, made 1,150,626 visits to our site to download 8.945 terabytes of content. Now what does that tell you? If nothing else, it's telling you to be sure to join us again next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color and color into black and
2: white. Under the clothes, everything will be all right. You those two sexy English girls that live upstairs? You know, the doves. The, the pigeons, pigeons. And... What, well, are you ready? We have a date with them. Oh, I... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just keep comparing everybody to Gloria. Don't you compare everybody to your ex-wife? Sure I do. And compared to Blanche, everybody looks good. <laughs> Felix, they're crazy about us. They think we're big shots in the building. Yeah, yeah they know you're a successful photographer. They know I'm a big-time sports writer. Yeah. See, the doorman told them. It's very nice of Harry. What nice? I give him five bucks a month to tell every girl in the building about it. That's pushy. It's pushy. Pushy is the way it's done, Felix. It's custom all over the world, man. Pursue woman, except on a few Polynesian islands and a couple of bars in Greenwich Village. You stop cooking. Tell me you're ready to attack these two girls. Well, all right, I'm. I'm ready to attack.